Hi there. Welcome to the Circum Center, a series of stimulating dialogues on the circular economy. Today's topic is storytelling and activism for circular economy. So many businesses and leaders are working to change and shape a better future for all of us. But without people using stories as an enabler and encouraging people for change, those efforts might not stick. My name is Greta Thunberg. I am 15 years old and I'm from Sweden. I speak on behalf of Climate Justice Now. Activists and storytellers are the social catalysts of change in action. Meet Harald Friedel. Harald is an activist, a change maker, and a devoted circular economy leader. He was the CEO of Circular Economy and co-founder of Impact Hub Myanmar. He's currently helping governments and businesses transition to a circular economy, including the Austrian Prime Minister. Let's hear it from Harald, how we can create the world we all want to live in. Hi Harald, welcome to the Circum Center. Today we're speaking with Harald Friedel, and he's an activist, a change maker, and also um, a de devoted circular economy leader um, in the world. And I'm very excited to speak with him today. Uh, welcome, Harold. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm going to start with the personal circle and ask why is circularity vital to you personally? Um, as, as everything we are doing in life, something comes back to our personal experiences. I think that's a, that's a fundamental truth. And the more we can align ourselves with what we are actually doing in the world, the more impactful we can be. I asked myself many, many years, how can I have the best impact or influence in everything that I'm doing in the world, on my community, on my family, on my organization, on my business, on my country? And then, um, um, yeah, um, about seven years ago, the circular economy came into my life. And I realized that a lot of the things that I've done in the past, they started to connect. I started to understand the system around me. So I have a background in working for government. Uh, I was advisor to a deputy prime minister as a CEO in business. And I was also in a nonprofit world working with uh, international organizations like the UN, but also uh, NGOs. And in each of these, I never felt um, home enough so that I could, with my life energy, bring the impact that I wanted. And the circular economy for the first time gave me a view and saying, look at it as a system. Everything is obviously interrelated. Now you are nodding and many people say, ah, logical. The issue is understanding that we are part of a system and then actually acting accordingly is a big leap of faith and a, le a big leap of action many don't take. And I think that's also the reason why we are in the problems that we are facing right now. So many things I said to you started to click when I understood how NGOs, how government, how business relate to each other because I've been in all of these positions. It's an experience not many people have. And when you're only know, uh, sitting in the business world, you have a certain particular view on the world. The government and NGOs, civil society sees very differently. So for me, suddenly things started to make sense. I started to understand things as a system. And it's amazing because you believe, I think it's an old saying, a butterfly is shaking um, the, the wings in Europe and a bike falls down in China. Might go a little bit uh, similar or different. But there's a huge impact you can have with your individual action on everything around us. What do I take from that wisdom? A, we as individuals can have a huge impact on the world if we understand each other as part of systems. And two, systems can change. We are sometimes uh, cornered into 
by 2030, we have to make fundamental changes to avoid climate chaos. And I believe that's still happening and it's possible. And we need to remind ourselves that this is possible because the daily negative news are by far outweighing the small positive news. And a lot of activism is happening. A new generation is stepping up and is trying to find their voice. And if together with the old generation, the ones that are in power now, we can activate that around the smart plan forward, we can definitely create the world we actually want to live in. This is possible. The circular economy is giving a very easy to understand and approachable subject into the topic of systems change. And I think it's fascinating not only for my kids, but also for the prime ministers, the ministers, the CEOs, and the civil society leaders of this world. That's that's amazing and also very um, inspiring um, introduction to to the conversation as well. So let's look at your past a bit. And when you think about your past and what was the most important event in your life that made you who you are today? Is there such an event or an experience? Yeah, you know, I listened to somebody yesterday who was near to death experience. I also had that uh, because I was nearly dying in an avalanche in the mountains. But I would say it's much more what I said before. It's my, um, my effort, my uh, ambition every day to try to understand what is my, uh, what's my role on this planet? How can I create, and for me always the question was coming very uh, intrinsically, how can I create positive impact beyond myself? I was never a person that, that, that cared so much. I was in business school, but to make money didn't really resonate with me. It still doesn't make uh, so much sense. While I understand we're living in a capitalistic system in many parts of the world, but we need to earn money. I have kids. I told you I need to provide for them. I, myself, I can um, uh, live very well also with quite little, especially when I'm sitting on a beach somewhere in the tropics. Um, but it's about this personal behavior. How can I find my path in the world? Now, for me, this is linked with how do I act, how do I behave, how can I walk the talk? And I had several or many years where this was not clear. Um, how can I get up every day? What do I work? What company do I choose or what organization? And this truly it clicked for me when this circular economy principle, circular economy strategy and circular economy um, uh, concept, I started to understand and read about it. And it's not the only concept that makes sense. There's also like the blue economy or cradle to cradle. There are different ways, I think, how we can talk about the same thing. And I really encourage everybody to look at the similarities of these approaches and not fight for the differences because that's happening too often, too often also in the impact sector. So my really deep-sighted experience where I then stepped forward and I truly could find my voice in the world, which happened when I understood and started to live from the principles of a circular economy. I think I did part of this before, but then things came together and I could really integrate it into my life and everything what I was doing. Um, how do I relate to other people? How do I see, um, based on circular principles, a way how, should, how we should consume, how we can produce? And it's a vision that many people find useful to share. That's why I'm often invited by civil society organizations, businesses, governments to share that view. And in the end of the day, it's not magic it's a very natural if we come back i think what we actually want to do on this planet which is in a very abstract way i think share share love be with each other in a very simple community way 
we are struggling to get back to that and simplify against our, our ways of life and take care of our families. I think that's very simple. The circular economy, when I got this, and this was a big aha moment, this made sense. And it got me out of my struggle, a struggle I think that many people share. What is actually my path and my uh, situation on this planet? What do I actually do here? I can only share with you when I understood that we are part of one, that we are part of a system, and that the circular economy is a way how I can explain it to every person rather than going into deep-rooted ethical conversation or spiritual conversation. It makes sense. It makes sense, and therefore I'm a very happy person showing up to uh, like our time today. I just talked to the Austrian government and big, uh, the big part of the waste industry before. Uh, we had topics yesterday with big businesses. It just makes sense how we can spend our time here on this planet and how we can raise ambition to do not a little bit less bad than we did in the past, but how we can do fundamentally better, all of us together. So it's an inclusive uh, new way of looking forward that I hope many people can look into. So in that sense, you, you're talking about like some principles do, um, in your life. Can you tell us, and also that would be inspiration for us to implement in our lives as well. Uh, what are the three values that lead your life at the moment? Or what are the three principles that is important in your life at the moment? Um, let me think. I, I, it, it goes back uh, when somebody says, why, why, why? I, I think I try to keep it simple and uh, start with something that is difficult to debate with. I read a book about uh, the, um, the Regrets of the Dying. It was written by an Australian uh, nurse that is accompanying people into uh, the next step uh, after, this, after the life on this planet. Um, and she summarizes this and says, the people uh, that are dying, that are passing over to the next step, uh, they are all uh, regretting similar things. And uh, obviously we discussed it often. Uh, it's not that you have spent more time in the office or it's not that you have made another million, or it's not that you have something for me, 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 you, yourself. But people are, when you read this book, <clears throat> and I don't know the exact words, but they are regretting not having given more, not having given more to their family as at one point. So giving, I think, is a very important one. Giving to the community around you. They have not spent enough time sharing. Um, I think that's another one. Uh, um, uh, because sharing is something I think we intrinsically are motivated for if we dare to do that, if we have the courage. Interesting example at the moment, the refugee crisis, the Ukrainian war that is happening. Um, I decided to give up, I have a little apartment in Vienna, uh, to share it, to give it to a Ukrainian family, um, refugees from, from the war. And when you do that, um, it's a very rewarding thing, but it's also something very fundamentally different to what we are used to do. And I think the sharing principles is also something very important in the, in the circular economy. And I think to live uh, from um, a value from abundance, I think, is an important one. I think many of us have been brought up, um, uh, me, I'm from Tur Austria, and I think you're Turkish, uh, uh, that you're originally from. Where country are you from? I'm from Turkey, too. Yeah. Uh, in Turkey, maybe it's similar way you have been brought up, that you said you have to take care of yourself. That's certainly something that is very strong, for example, in the US, with the, you know, the capitalist way you can do everything from yourself. But I believe that if we understand that one plus one can be seven, 
and that's not math you want to teach to our kids, but energetically, if we really want to do well for more people on the planet, then uh, um, the, the, the level of thinking about how can we create abundance, prosperity for all, uh, it's not something that goes against, um, it's not an anti-capitalistic way of doing things, but it's a different way of thinking about what does abundance mean? To provide for everybody in the society is something very, very uh, valuable to me. And it makes me happy when I see more people or less people suffering, more people happy. I think it increases my own happiness. So you said three things or three values. I think one is something about sharing and giving. Um, then uh, the other one would be about really creating abundance for many. And there's something about this is only going to happen if we take leadership, uh, courageous leadership. Uh, and when we are uh, radically, when we're trying to collaborate radically. So the notion of radical collaboration would be a value for me that is signifying and underpinning the change I like to see. And you see, it's, for me, it's always between the personal and what I do in the world, what I think businesses and governments should do it's all the same i think with a different set of values we would all be uh, not living in a society that is faced by huge challenges around ecological disaster biodiversity loss societal disaster with a rising um, inequality uh, and a political system that is not trusted but if we would be more about giving creating abundance for more radically collaborate and be transparent we can live in a society that is providing for many more people, give security rather than creating insecurity. That's the vision I have for the society and businesses. And again, I believe a circular economy is a way of making that simple in a workshop setting, explaining it to a CEO, um, because many of the values, I would say, are also driving circular change. That's amazing. And you said sharing and giving, um, creating abundance for the many and radical leadership yeah that's that's great um on again on a personal level how far does circular economy go in your personal life and before um we spoke about your clothing and what you wear but also like can you tell us a little bit about um what do you do in terms of circular economy personally in your life yeah um, um i'm going to try to give you some examples it's obviously something we are often asked um, the first thing is where um, I can give you many examples, but I would like to get the criticism out of the way. As somebody who is working globally on, on, on the topic, I often I'm asked to travel or I have to travel. Now, the last two years I very much confronted us with the topic, is traveling necessary or not? Um, and then the conversation is, and I take this very seriously, how can you reduce obviously airplane travel um, uh, because of the, of the negative impact on the environment? I have not been able to solve that fully. I obviously hope and would like to support all the initiatives in terms of the new planes of the future, hopefully also in terms of teleportation and things that can make that easier. But it's something we have to at the moment deal with. So investing really in the compensation schemes for the airline companies or investing in research and development is a way forward. In Europe, keep the short-term travel to a minimum, replace it by train and other means. I mean, uh, or in not having a car myself, but wherever I am, where I live, trying to really go with public transport. That's how I try to get around and deal with a complicated issue, which is mobility. So I have not solved that yet uh, fully. I'm willing to uh, please tell me if there's people with wisdom how I can do this better. 
Um, but trying to help the airline sector to change is one thing. Um, and as we haven't uh, invented teleportation yet, it's something we have to still deal with in the next years. And therefore, investment above the tickets that we uh, have, for example, in compensation schemes, is a way forward. Now, that's a difficult topic, and I'd like to address the elephant in the room always first, um, because it often comes back as a, as a criticism. Uh, what If we want to change, we have to look at our big pieces of what, what we have uh, in our life, right? How we dress, how we eat the food, where we live, our, our places, or uh, how we move around mobility. Now, mobility, I've, said, I've mentioned, I myself uh, don't have a car now for the last 15 years, I think, um, and get around that, despite the fact that I have kids trying to use public transport as a, as a thing. And the interesting piece when you talk about circular economy and mobility is obviously shared transport schemes is an interesting one. The whole electric vehicle revolution is an interesting one, trying to participate as much in that. Um, um, and it's also accepting um, that you maybe have to redefine your relationship with time because we always want to be very efficient. The problem now I see is when you want to shift from using a car to going in public transport, you might need, when you, I don't know, go to see a friend somewhere, you might take you three hours instead of one. Now, I learned in the last years, it might be very nice not to be super efficient to go somewhere in an hour. But when you go somewhere and say, I take three hours, you can actually take the time to read, to connect to people, you know, to think, take time for yourself. So the whole circular economy is not impossible. Many people say it's impossible. Why I can't take three hours where I should be in one? And I believe it's really more about the redefinition of how you want to live. Um, um, because I don't accept it as a blockage that everybody has to do everything in the fastest way. It also comes back to our behavior as consumers, no? I think uh, I read last year a designer from a very famous uh, uh, mobile phone uh, production company that said everybody always wants the latest product. If we accept it as a truth, we have a problem and we will not be able to change. But if we say, no, we are okay with functioning project products that allow us to work, and computers and cell phones are obviously good examples, in the most efficient way, maybe a refurbished project uh, product is a good way forward. Um, but a bit us thinking every single day and reformulating what the consumer companies tell us is truth I think it's really important to create a more critical think on that. Our clothes, I told you, here, circular jeans uh, is one way of uh, um, uh, trying to dress differently. A very nice product, I'll tell you everything. What is a circular jean? A circular jean is a way how a jean company uh, redefined the business model. Obviously, around leasing, you don't need to buy a jean anymore because I don't need to own it. I rent it, I lease it, lease. Um, uh, product as a service models are very much upcoming in many parts of the global industry, from mattresses to dishwashers to clothes. Uh, and it gives an incentive to give back the jeans so we make sure it ends up not in the landfill or in the burning, but it actually is gotten back by the company that is now then disintegrating the gene, making it smaller again into the small particles and producing a new product from it. Or maybe if it's still um, uh, not too old, can resell it or release it to another person. Um, I made a promise to myself and uh, uh, my, my kids um, to be circular in my clothing uh, nearly 100%. So in the last two, three years, I, man I managed that. That's a, that's a secondhand shirt I bought at the flea market. Um, but it's something that I discussed last week with a friend. You need to force yourself to do that. 
it's always easy to go next door to Sarah or uh, CNA or H&M, whatever these, um, the big department stores are in your country, and buy something new that is mostly produced from virgin, so new materials. But if you challenge yourself and say, I don't want to go that way, it's a conscious decision. Everybody can do, but it's not an easy one to do. But it's an aware decision that I recommend many people to do. How do I eat? Eating food, circular food systems, huge topic. Um, uh, and then open, uh, what I find very funny, uh, you know, people always put the question first that is the most difficult to answer and use it as an excuse not to change things. Um, I, I try to uh, be just very blunt on that, the conversation. Should you eat an avocado? Should you buy a melon in a, in a shop, in a supermarket? Or turn to the local products? Sarah, my, my answer is always the same. I think we, in our stomach, if we are an educated consumer that tries to do good or tries to do better, we all know what is the right thing to do. Local product, amazing Turkey, where you're from, amazing local products. Unfortunately, where we live, or where I live in Europe, you don't have everything available. The climate is different. Um, but generally, to see what is local, what is um, regional and according to the, 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 the time of the year we live in, that's always a good choice. Can you sometimes buy an avocado and a melon that's coming from Turkey or from South America? Yeah, we will not die from it, but that's limited maybe. Let's try to adapt again in a way that is more local, support local food um, communities. I'm part of a community where we change the business model together with the farmer. The farmer is not anymore taking the risk at the beginning of the year and we buy the products at the end of the year. We all put money at the beginning of the year together. It's, I think, a community of 100, 150 people here in uh, outside of Amsterdam, where the farmer can live and operate from, and then we all together share the risk. Is it a good year? Is it a bad year? We all agreed on principles. That's always very important, I think. We want, don't want to use a lot of fertilizer. We want to have it biologically and quite green. Um, we all volunteering time. We bring our families. It's becoming a community thing, how we grow the garden together, and then see what we're going to get out of it during the year. So this is how I try in the food chain while I also go to the supermarket. I try to limit it because the products produced and the quality, it's not the same that you, you get when you go to a farmer that actually grows things uh, um, in, a, in a biological way. Uh, but it's a tough one. We need to work, and I know this from my experience with, as a, a special envoy for the Austrian government trying to promote the circular economy. We need to work with all. You know, the big supermarket chains can't do it alone. The producers can't do it alone. And we consumers have a big role to incentivize the change as, as government. So um, trying to give you a couple of examples, how I try to dress and eat in a circular way. I try to change my own mobility, um, uh, my own way and how I engage in mobility. Uh, and obviously uh, uh, how we live, you know, the houses we build, build a modular house, try to get architects that actually think about a green uh, facade where you can grow all kinds of things, solar on your roof, it's all little things. And as I said, as an example before, sharing my apartment with a, with a family that is coming from the Ukraine, sharing economy is an important one. Um, it's all ways in how we can get out of the comfort zone, rethink the future, but make the circular economy very much individual um, as we have a big role to play as consumers. We every day vote with our wallet. wallet. Um, and politically, we should take the right, support the right parties who are thinking about a future for society that works for more people, that it's integrative, and that thinks about uh, bringing people into a much more enlightened and a positive future than where we are right now. 
That's a perfect example because the reason why we are doing this project is we we said like the center of your decisions. We are trying to discover the center of your decisions. And also when we make a decision in life, we, we need to think about what's going to be the outcome other than what we get out of it. What's going to be the bigger outcome to things other than us. And this is a great example um, about um, this is the end of our first circle. Harold, now we're going into the second circle of our conversation in which we're going to focus on um, business, industry, and, you know, on a larger scale. I want to start with something you said before. You said it's not about doing a little bit less bad, but fundamentally better. What do you mean by that? Uh, when I work with business leaders and I go into uh, a business, <clears throat> I think there's a fundamental to ask. There's fundamental to ask one question um, that I think we are often bypassing, and this: what do we actually want? And we are living in an interesting time of exponential change, where uh, until now I think many would have said they want to improve the bottom line of the company, right? So any sustainability or circular economy strategy has to support that. Now, we hear more and more that there are three, three big pressures that the CEOs are being faced with. One is governments are changing rules and policy will change faster than the past. That's what everybody predicts. Well, I think the, the policymakers are still sometimes uh, a little bit behind. So I hopefully they will take much more of you on uh, moving forward, especially when we have governments like the New Zealand government, the Finnish government, with female leadership, I think female leaders truly show us the way with a new way of leadership. Uh, I think we're going to talk about this a bit later. I'm really, really big uh, in awe of what they're doing with uh, sometimes different than uh, uh, the men, how I approach uh, men uh, governments. And I think that's an important topic to discuss as well. Um, but the pressure is coming from the political side. Policy frameworks are changing. Secondly, um, the clients are demanding uh, net zero green uh, products. So really the, the, the producers have to change what they have in the factory because further down the value chain, um, there are different products needed because everybody has uh, much more difficult um, standards now uh, for the production. And thirdly, what I find very interesting, the pressure from inside the companies is ramping up. Employees more than ever want to be part of meaningful, purposeful companies. Um, I often give the answer to people, you don't need to change your job now, but you can in your government or in your business or in your organization try to effectuate change. I think the businesses of this year, 2022 and the future, have to give employees a chance to do so. Philips, for example, I know very uh, well, has an internal group of sustainability leaders. They really try with more than 10% of the workforce how we can continuously improve. Now, this is what I see in businesses. There's different pressures on businesses. If you as a business leader really want to future-proof future your business, you have to respond to that. So you have to have an integral answer on how you guide your business. I again think the circular economy gives such an interesting framework, but you can't put it into the sustainability department which comes under strategy or under sustainability somewhere in a corner of the organization. The ones that are successfully reshaping and fundamentally changing their businesses to a better, they are laying this as a cross-cutting topic, circular leadership, or call it something else. How we can lead our company in the human resources, in our production side, on our marketing side, on our governance finance side, in a fundamentally new way. 
So this is what I see in businesses happening and how this could be, uh, how this could be done. Not anymore putting it into another silo, the silos not talking to each other, but really seeing as an integral roadmap how to future-proof your business on the way forward. If you do that, I think that's fundamental change you're bringing to a company. And it's something that I, um, that uh, the story that is often stuck in my head, we did such a work with a telecom company when the COO came to me afterwards and said, if we really do what we are discussing now in this circular workshop, it feels like an operation on the open heart. And I said, yeah, but that's what we want. We want systemic change is what you describe as open heart. It goes very deep. However, with this new heart or this new operating system, you will be future-proof. You will be part of the future, not part of the past. And I think that's what many businesses want. So I rather recommend now an operation on the open heart, be ready for the future rather than small little fixes. And uh, I think it pays off. And as you're explaining, this change is essentially um, embedded in decision-making processes. Like, you know, to be able to make long better decisions in the long term um, in terms of those different silos and uniting them as a system. And this requires a different kind of leadership which, in which you were talking about um, briefly. But like, would you go further into what type of leadership do we need um, to enable a circular economy, not only in businesses, but also like in the broader industry level? It's always difficult to generalize, obviously, right? Uh, but if we, uh, we know that I think 75% of CEOs and leadership positions are taken by men globally, the same, even worse, I think, in governments, I think 80% or 85% of government leaders are uh, non-female, and not so much into the male-female, but it's about the expression of what we want to have. There was recently an article that talked about empathetic leadership, uh, leadership from your heart, whatever you do, um, whatever you name it, I think that's the new way of how we lead. We lead together with the people around us. We need to build teams. We need to be collaborative. And it's very different uh, also in your, your understanding of where you put your company. When I was CEO, I, I, I like to understand my organization, my company, not only as my company, but as contributing to the whole ecosystem. Because when I grow the ecosystem of circular economy globally, I will benefit anyway as a company from it. But this view, not only in yourself, but much broader, is, I think, uh, what is the name of the game for the future. So I think as human beings, we are also much more happy if we are showing leadership style, call it empathetic leadership style, that is based on certain values or certain ways on how we live this. Um, because we shouldn't get hung up in names. I like empathetic leadership because it shows you are trying to see everything as, uh, see yourself as part of a system, your organization part of a system. I think there are three, four values that are really key to that, that you need to put in motion into your, and you need to put into action your company. Um, this is, uh, I think, uh, around radical collaboration. The circular economy is a, a very clearly a concept that is calling for and needs more than rather less collaboration. Um, also more transparent, radical transparency is now often uh, evoked as a value that helps businesses to get trust by consumers. You can only do this by being transparent because the BS alarm by the consumers is very sensitive. I think whitewashing, greenwashing, circular washing, all of this is possible and has been part of business realities. 
I just hope this has to end as soon as possible. We need to find the NGOs of the world, the accountability mechanisms that help us to stop that and act as individual educated consumers. So real transparency, real collaboration, and an understanding that we are part of a bigger ecosystem and trying to bring this into a company is really useful. Uh, many of us know, and if you haven't read the book, it's something really a, a, a must for the next birthday or Christmas present. Let's not wait for Christmas. Uh, the next present for uh, next month for whatever um, occasion. Uh, donut economics, like a donut that you can buy in a shop, written by my friend and, and uh, professor um, Kate Rayworth. It's very nice how she conceptualizes where we should go as a society. We should fulfill the needs of us uh, as people, but don't overshoot shoot the boundaries what our planet is able to be producing in terms of resources. Now, when you break this, what she says down into a company, you come to very interesting questions. Um, it is, how do you um, apply this in a company, uh, take Philips, uh, into your governance? What is a government structure actually is supporting a company that wants to be circular or future-proof? What kind of money do you want to take? Because in the end of the day, uh, financial stakeholders are part of your company. You really need to make sure that the financial impact or the financial input you're giving into a company needs to be aligned with your, where you want to go because if your owners your financial stakeholders want to go a different direction not going to happen that you bring real change about in your company it doesn't only go into how you run your company where you go your finance from but how do you treat the people along your value chain uh, what kind of sustainable or circular behavior do you show in these partnerships it's an interesting question because we all know when you think about the textile industry you're from Turkey. We all know that the Turkish, uh, um, the, uh, the country of Turkey is a big uh, manufacturing of garment, garment, but the garment comes from Asia and there are different ways around the globe, but it's very global. It comes from Asia, being produced, come to Turkey, being manufactured, shipped to Europe where it's being sold. Now, where does the profit uh, is mostly uh, being retained? It's in the last step of the value chain. Uh, but is this circular behavior? Is this how we can treat the people along the value chain? with the often maybe Bangladeshi or in Myanmar where the yarn is being produced, the workers living in terrible conditions. So as people who take the concept seriously, we need to look at the whole value chain and make sure this is much more equally distributed. And then we're coming obviously in the, into, um, into the question of, but the company at the end of the value chain wants to optimize for their profit, which is going against, I think, circular, circular thinking. You could earn well, um, but rather than optimizing only for yourself, if you optimize for the value chain, I would make the argument in the long run, we are all better off. We are all better off. So the criticism sometimes comes, ah, you are anti-capitalist or you are more socialist. I also have heard that, which I really find A, offensive intellectually, but B, just the wrong judgment. Uh, because just by saying people, how can we run the world in a future-oriented way so that we all can benefit, that we all find win-win situations, if you need to dis end such a conversation with an argument that is not clean, and I think it's more trying to uh, create more conflict, it's just not the way forward. I love to sit down with everybody and, uh, around the value chain because together on the, for example, the textile industry, we can find a solution when we put the producers, the manufacturers, the consumers, the recyclers all together and discuss how we actually want to do this together. So this is an important one. And lastly, uh, bringing the concept again, 
how we can lift this and show leadership in our companies. Look at what it means for your ownership, for your governance, how you govern your company, the involvement of workers, employers is really important, how you can treat your value chain. And in the end of the day, how do you make your employees part of that? I think these are questions leaders that are leading from empathy have to ask themselves. Do I know a company that has the perfect solution? No, but we know of many that are experimenting with new models. And I think they will be the successful future leaders. Uh, and they are getting ahead of the curve where you want to be when you want to run a successful business, not only optimizing your profit for two years, but having a successful business for maybe 10 years. And that's why we also see many family-owned businesses really opening up their thinking to new ways on how you want to govern. And I find this very encouraging. We just need more of it. <laughs> this is this is great um, you know, advice. And also like listening to you, uh, it made me think about other things as well. And one, one important aspect, as much important as leadership is, I think, um, collaboration. And in a in a growth mindset and also um, this competitive environment, collaboration is generally um, disregarded or like frowned upon even. What do you think about like how not only businesses, but also governments and also civil society, what can they do um, in terms of collaboration and how would it help? Obviously we need collaboration, um, but it links a bit to what we, what we had a chance to discuss um, uh, with your colleagues also uh, recently which is what does this new way, this need for collaboration come with? What did it ask from us? Let's start top level. When I look at it from a government perspective, and I told you I'm a special envoy for the Austrian government for the circular economy, there's not a government position, it's a bridge builder position. And I think more and more innovative governments are putting bridge builders also in a position uh, where they are trying to respond to the new realities that we are seeing. Answers to the most problems in any sector will not come from one player. We know that. So it comes from the collaboration between the government, the businesses, and us, civilians, civil society, all the maybe NGOs. Um, and that we sit together and try to find out how we can move things much faster. I work with the global cement industry. It's there the same thing. The cement industry can't change by itself. They need the policymakers, but at the end of the day, they also want the understanding from the consumers. Because if I say I build my house in the future only with green cement, then the sub demand will increase dramatically. Then the industry will have this very clear signal where it has to go. So sure, easy answer, collaboration has to happen. Who is in the collaboration? Possibly everybody who is part of the ecosystem, which makes it more complex, or at the beginning you have to coordinate more. But I have the feeling that over time, having seen these processes play out, you are able to act much faster together once you have built the consensus at the beginning. This is how we want to change, and especially this is where we want to go. And that's your role in it. Now, in collaboration, I have experienced the funniest things because people are the funniest reactions because people are not willing to give up. Let's be very honest. Everybody's trying to find and define and fight for their own turf. That's mine. I'm not going to give it up. I want to grow, but I want to grow beyond what I already have. And certainly, I'm only collaborating if I have something out of this. I think that's really 21st century thinking. We have to really move on. Our kids, our new generation will not be looking upon us and said, you have tried enough. We really have to very much challenge our own beliefs, how we show up to these conversations. And I think beyond collaboration, I'm trying to remind myself 
and it's a daily process, what is our intention here? Is my intention in a collaboration conversation with you that I'm growing my business? Or is it that I want to create a better location for the textile industry in Turkey? Because if we have a broader view, we, I think we can both thrive in a new paradigm much better than we have done in the past. But for this, we have to give up old scarcity thinking, go into new abundance thinking. And yes, I think in the, that's something uh, that I think there's some elephants in the room that people are also trying to avoid, which I'm always happy to bring on the table. Certain industries will not be part of the future if they don't adapt. Some are, might not be part of the future, Bunto, because we won't, don't want them as a society, because certain industries maybe are destroying the plant more than they are regenerating. But I see in many industries how they're trying to change now to become regenerative businesses, regenerative industries. And then we should help them all and go through these difficult, um, call out these difficult realities, call out the difficult questions and see if we can adapt because many jobs are dependent on that too. I think as a society, as countries, we have to make, as a global society, we have to make decisions what we want to be, do we want to be part of the future or you want to stay in the present? If you want to be part of the future, a future that is more equitable, that is more fair, that is bringing more to the people on this planet. We need to make decisions which industries should exist, which ones we should support, where uh, the money, the, the subsidy money from the government should go to and where it should not be utilized anymore. If we have a clearer view on where we want to go, we will have a much more clear decision-making power about what we have to stop. I think that everybody owns three cars in Europe is a thing of the past because we have to think, think together how we can use materials and resources more in a way um, that we can use them together. So new leadership is needed, new kinds of collaboration, absolutely. But use the collaboration as platforms to build trust, design a clear vision of the future, and then an action map on how to get there. Uh, I think then it's going to be motivating and then people are coming back to create, recreate, and then action the future we want to live in. That's great. And also, like, I have one question, which is two questions in one. Uh, what's the role of the governments in this situation? And how should they do their funding towards a circular economy? The role of governments, uh, I think uh, government uh, should understand themselves. And I'm talking about government with all the different parts of government. You know, in the government, people see themselves part of ministries. And then the ministry has a goal, but I think it's much more interesting to go beyond your own silo, understand yourself as supporting the people in a country, um, taking care of the household of a country, uh, and then take the right decisions from there, right? There is much too much uh, ego, um, egoistic behavior, like you see in the business, in different business um, uh, parts of the business, same in government. Hopefully, we have leaders as ministers and as prime ministers who bring this together at a much higher level so they can actually serve the people that are living in their country. They're not serving themselves. They should serve the people um, and be accountable for that. And I think that's possible, uh, but I think the fundamental dialogue in, 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 uh, in, it's very different, difficult at the moment in politics where media has become a driver not always for good change uh, but for a short-term behavior while a government should keep this long-term behavior. We should keep a long-term vision and implement this through smart policy making in the now, today, based on 
all the variables that we know and bring people together to create that vision. So government central role, we need the best people in government. We have to support governments uh, as citizens, as businesses, and I think as, as critical media too. And uh, as governments uh, also, we should uh, not, um, we should give people the freedom to be part of the future. So it is a huge, uh, huge task. And I think the government needs to create new spaces for collaboration with citizens and businesses. That's uh, something I've learned. And definitely not keep things open as they're often kept um, open now in the uh, circular economy uh, arena. For example, I was asked recently, what could G8 countries do? And I said it would be great to have a roadmap in every country, especially big businesses, countries of the world, like your country, Turkey, would be great. Have a roadmap and an action plan for each country how to implement the circular economy. We all know the circular economy is part of the future. The future will only be abundant and uh, climate safe and good for the people if we implement the circular economy. Obviously, also if we reach the chances of uh, climate change, uh, reduce climate risk, bring about the energy transition. Circular economy is one of the main answers for the future. Make an action plan, make a roadmap, and then make everybody commit to that and implement it. It's very simple. That's what government should do. Any government that doesn't have a roadmap yet, and I think more than 60% of the governments don't have it globally. I don't know the actual figure, but I think it's below 30%. Get it going. Let's get and find the financing for it, and then let's implement Great question. My 10-year-old son asked me, why is the world not circular? <laughs> and I've talked to, in my last years doing this globally, I was lucky enough to talk to thousands of people about this. I think it always comes back to the to, 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 to very human human aspects. No? Uh, I think the first one, and it has to be named, um, the vested interest so interest, often sometimes monetary, sometimes power interest of, and I don't want to make it abstract to say governments are the problem or business are the problem, but of people, us, is at the core of the problem for me. I've been certainly in more conversations where I had to overcome this at the beginning um, than I had it about people showing up with a mindset of how can we create truly a solution together. So I think it's up to us every single day to bring the leadership. Be Maybe you are in an NGO, maybe you are in a business or you are a government. But if we are able to go beyond our own interest and say what's the interest of the whole here, um, that would be um, a huge step forward. So vested interest and the wrong mindset comes from many psychological aspects as well. Huh? We, we think we have don't have enough. Uh, we don't like ourselves enough. We have to overcompensate. A lot of this, I have ended up in conversation that became much more psychological than economic discussions, which I find very interesting. But I'm very passionate about this kind of new leadership that you have to adopt for yourself to be able to have the different conversations. And I didn't say it's easy to change. It's super difficult to change. All this is difficult to change. But if you have a view on the future, um, then we can get there because we are smart human beings. It's amazing what we have done in the last hundreds of years, what we have, what we have achieved. Now it's the time to come together maybe in a joint consciousness to create plans for the future, visions for the future, and overcome our individual interests. As a very practical example, I want to give to people who are listening, a mentor of mine, amazing person, architect, circle architect, said he starts every meeting with requesting from everybody, please put the hidden agendas on the table. 
So tell us what you actually want, because it makes it easier to deal with it and find their way forward. Otherwise, you're ending up in these meetings where you think, it's so logical, my 10-year-old son wants it, your daughter wants it, everybody, the prime minister wants it, why can't we not come to a conclusion? And I think um, if the hidden agendas are on the table, and it's not about shaming somebody, but understanding, and that's why we need, and I love to work with Circular Economy, where we brought companies together, big textile companies. When they started to talk to each other honestly in a way of trust, or we call it Chatham House rules, no, nothing goes out of the, of the, of the meeting room, you're really collect, connecting on the problems and you can go deeper to answer to the doubts and fears of people, but you're also able to chart a solution forward. So I think these trusted, uh, courageous meetings where we are behind doors truly talking about the future solutions are necessary. We need the organizations and the money to organize that. Definitely possible, but let's transgress between our individual interests and make future generations proud of what we did in the year 2022, 2023, 2024, so that they look back and say, these guys really made an impact on changing the world and not they just did a little bit less bad, which I would be embarrassed to be part of. So let's ramp up this ambition together. That's that's a great closing uh, for, the, for the second circle of our conversation. Um, now I'm going to move into the third and final circle. What are the responsibility and the power of activists and storytellers to enable a circular future? You know, when, you, when you're trying to differentiate different roles, I, 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 again, I try not to um, uh, give so much to what you use as a term to describe a certain role. I think we all have to be activists. We can all be activists wherever you're sitting, in a government, in a business, or in a civil society organizations. Hopefully, we all are activists for a better future. Now, I believe very much that, um, that we people, that humans are intrinsically good. Sometimes people don't show their right behavior, but I think we can all bring them back to their real essence. People are really forces for change. Everybody is. So I hope, my hope is everybody can be an activist. Activists are extremely important uh, in times of change because they're willing to look outside of the box and I think they are saying and trying to remind us what we should be doing. Um, uh, the question of doing the, uh, the, the thing, the right things, doing the right things rather than doing the things right. And to get out of your own daily struggles and, and, and you know, um, the many things we all have to do and look at outside of the, um, uh, the, the, the troubled waters and say, what actually should I be doing and take the leadership to go there? That's a very important process. So, um, and storytellers, uh, I've been myself, uh, I was trained as a journalist to be able to explain something. I, I try not to talk about the circular economy in abstract sense, but I try to make it deeply personal um, because I think it is personal. Um, uh, storytellers are as important as activists as anybody else who is being part of systems change. Um, and I, I, I think activists have uh, the fire and give the, an initial boost. Hopefully can understand themselves that they are not alone, but actually have to work and inspire others. Then stay open as an activist. I would consider myself an activist. Stay open to being inspired by others too, learning again every single day. And I find I'm a student of the circular economy every single day. And then be able to tell the right story because what storytelling is an art to have the, to have the willingness and power and courage 
to say to people, it's not clear what the story of this country is, where it should be going in the next five years. I'm very sometimes disappointed with the politicians also of my country. Just, they don't give me a vision. I'm not feeling part of a vision where my country, again, I'm Austrian, should be in 2025 or 2030. But without that vision, and then call it storytelling because it makes it then more applicable in every, every day's life, that's missing. We need people for that. Often storytelling is not being paid. It's not being seen as a budget line in any of our projects, as you know. Um, but so the work you do uh, as well is extremely important. And I really want to congratulate you on the project and weave the story together with as many people as possible because then they start to act in different ways. That's extremely important. What would you advise policymakers, businesses, and philanthropists to focus on for the coming years? It depends what, what, uh, where, what sector you are in. Um, I think um, go inside uh, for an hour, think about what you, who you want to be, uh, and then act from that. No? In short, I have never been a philanthropist, uh, um, and I, I invest every year. I'm kind of a philanthropist. Every year, I invest about 7% of my, of my income into projects, plus I give in my, my, my free time. So as a philanthropist, I would like to have the conversation. I, I um, would encourage the big philanthropists of the world, and I did that, for example, on circular economy, come together and be brave enough to make a vision because the people that also need and are giving your money will listen to that. So philanthropists, make a vision and be clear where you want to go. Uh, governments, please see your huge responsibility and your you should understand yourself, your, your jobs. It's, it's an honor that you have the, the trust of the people to show where it's going. It comes with a huge responsibility on having to make sure that you create the policy frameworks and the policy action frameworks for the next five years. That's a huge, so you have to be ahead of the curve, far ahead of the curve. Businesses, I would uh, advise, but I'm, I'm nobody to advise as I'm a student of this, but my feeling as a human being would be, go beyond what you have to do. The current system with its rules is not supporting change. We all know that. We also know that businesses can't change alone, um, but think, as yourself being part of the system and not only trying to optimize for what is possible in the legal frameworks of a country. And your responsibility as citizens, vote for the right things, but also make sure you vote every day with your wallet in the right way, in a, in a way that uh, you're not optimizing for the smallest amount of money. And I'm very respectful for people who are, uh, for whose it's a daily struggle to reach the, the daily uh, needs and for their families. That's why as governments, there should be a serious conversation about the minimal viable income for, for families in a country. Um, and I think it's possible depending on your tax, tax system um, so that consumers are not forced to shop for the cheapest. But in the future, we have all the opportunity and freedom uh, to, to use our wallet for that that makes the most sense for the future of our countries. If you're invited to a G7 or a similar international meeting in the future, what would you tell the world leaders? Um, what, what would be the yeah. thing that you would it's tell It's something them? I find always fascinating. I've been putting together groups of change in many industries in the last years. Um, and there is a real willingness to learn from each other by many people. Also high-level, powerful people. The real willingness to learn. I love that because I love to learn every single day. So I think I would tell them, learn with each other and let us help you and make a framework or a group that helps you to facilitate that learning. Uh, two, uh, there is a very personal uh, thing to that. Um, I don't want to um, get interfere into people's lives, but 
continue your journey as human beings to understand better why you are here, because it will definitely incentivize you to act differently. And thirdly, what people are always, I think, uh, um, also like is make concrete plans of action. I think in many countries have action for climate action plans now um, for the circular economy. That's the topic of our interview too, of our talk. Make circular economy strategies truly with all the stakeholders that are involved and clearly align them with the climate frameworks you have in your country. That's not always easy, but it's possible. And make that action plan immediately this year um, with the power of um, the, the crowds to involve everybody in making it so people are actually feel accountable to follow up on it and action it. So I would speak to them as human beings. For the personal path, I would uh, encourage them to learn from each other, but I would also try to help get, get resources and support so that they understand how important it is in the circular economy to make action plans. The people who are listening to us now, where they should start their circular transformation and what should they do? Sarah, for me, one thing is relevant and that's action, action, action. All the talk, smart talk, sweet talk is okay, but we need to action right now. So to everybody who is listening to this, I would uh, uh, kindly ask you, please, hopefully you know what you have to do in your company, in your government, in your NGO, to make yourself and the world future-proof. If you don't know that, just email me or contact me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I will happy and promise to respond to any request what you can do as a next step because there are enough people in the world working on this. The only bad excuse I know is not to take action. Please do something now. Thank you for listening. This is one of the 10 interviews with passionate circular economy leaders from fashion to food, from cryptocurrencies to architecture. Please subscribe to our podcast channel for the following episodes in the series. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell button to watch these interviews. For more information, visit our website at www.circumcenter.world. See you at the next Circumcenter episode, discovering the center of your decisions.